This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is The Stephen and Kevin Show. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 96 of The Stephen and Kevin Show. And today we're gonna be talking about 10 truths of thought leadership. Yeah, thought leadership is something that we think a lot about here at Oxley because it's a big part of our business model. And we're seeing it become a bigger and bigger part of a financial advisor's business model as well. So we wanna illustrate you know, why we think it's so important and also how to achieve it. We want you being seen in your community as the go-to financial advisor, the one that people must go to if they're in need of, of good advice. So before we get into these 10 truths today, and I've come prepared with five, Stephen has five, Hopefully there's not any overlap between these. Uh, there might be. Uh, we're going to talk about why this is important. Like, why do we even care about trying to build, quote unquote, thought leadership, which, you know, it really is kind of a fancy term for more content marketing, right? Yeah. And, and there's two reasons in our estimation. The one is very obvious that if you put out great thought leadership content, you're seen as a thought leader, you've got your videos and your podcasts and your articles going out by way of newsletter and through your social channels you're going to make yourself known to people through all those channels that wouldn't otherwise know who you are. Mm -hmm. So you're raising awareness of who you are and that you're a reputable service provider in the community. That one is worth achieving on its own. Oh, definitely. Right. And that's like the, the most obvious use case for, for doing this is I'm going to start reaching a broader audience. I'm going to get in front of people that I would not have gotten in front of otherwise when they start consuming my content. The second one, is not as obvious. And this actually came out of a study that we just conducted um, on 1,002 affluent investors, 500,000 or more in investable assets. And there was a strong connection between content marketing, advisors who are putting out content, and referral flow, right? So affluent investors basically were sending more referrals when their advisor creates video content, podcasts, articles, posts on social media, like there's just a, a gamut of things that they're doing here, but there's a strong connection between more referrals. And, and the big question for us as we found that data was why? Yeah. Like why would the fact that if I'm a financial advisor and you're my client, if I'm writing regular articles, why would that make you more likely to share me? Yeah, so we can we could speculate on that a little bit. And, and from our, our perspective, there's really three main reasons why. The first one would be ease of sharing. Yeah, if you are there in their feed and they can hit the share button, they can tag a friend, they go. can forward the email, it's pretty easy to do, right? It's a little bit easier than sharing a business card, personally walking them to the financial advisor's office, exactly. whatever it may be. This is really two clicks and you're done. Or even, even you know, and, and we're big fans of this, but even like introducing them over beers, right? Like it, that's a lot of work as opposed to, I'm just gonna show this video that, you know, Steven just created my advisor. The second kind of speculation here is the opportunity to share, which comes down to top of mind awareness. Yeah, if I am the financial advisor and I'm always in your newsfeed, you're thinking about me more often than mm -hmm. if I were not. Yeah, I mean, imagine for a second that you have like a landscaper and you have a housekeeper, right? And they both do a really good job for you. But the landscaper constantly puts out videos on, let's say Instagram or putting out reels on tips for, you know, lawn care and whatever, whatever you can imagine, but they're always in your feed, right? You're seeing them more. We would argue that you're probably going to refer that person more, right? You're thinking of them more. You're, you're, you're sharing their content more. You're engaging with it and other people are seeing it. So that, you know, opportunity to share is real. And then the third one, 
you know, our speculation as to why advisors who create content and are thought leaders get more referrals is the desire to share. Yeah, we tend to want to share things that we're excited about. And you're a more exciting proposition if you're putting out really thoughtful videos and articles and podcasts. I like that. Yeah, so, you know, if I'm really excited about a restaurant, I'm more likely to tell other people about it. Same with a bottle of wine, same with a new music artist, yeah. whatever it is. It, it's a representation of me that I have good taste and that I work with somebody that I feel strongly about and I'm going to pass them along. Yeah, I remember I always think about like, you know, back in, in college and when you would discover this band that other people wouldn't really know about and you wanted to share that with other people because not a lot of people knew about them initially, right? It's that desire, like I have something that's interesting that I consume that I want to share with other people. Yeah, right? so uh, there's a connection between referrals and thought leadership. I think that's fantastic. Uh, but if nothing else, we're making sure that you are out front and center in front of other people. And thought leadership is one of those that is loosely defined. Like, are you a thought leader or not? It's kind of a gray area. I'm a self-proclaimed thought leader. You know, and, and typically, typically, <laughs> not always, thought leadership requires other people to perceive you as a thought leader. Yeah. I don't know if you can call not, that part of that. Not always, right? But not always. Yeah. You know, you can be a thought leader in your own mind, and that gets you plenty of points when you look in the mirror. Hey, thought leader here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but really, thought leadership goes beyond the expertise that you're seen as having because you're in a certain profession. Mm, like, just cool. being a financial advisor has a certain level of expertise. Having certain credentials, you've got a certain level of expertise. Being a thought leader means that other people in the profession may look to you for advice even. Oh, that's good. Or that you are the expert of experts. Like if you've got money in the community, you really ought to see this person because they're really good. Yeah, and in this, yeah, this is way beyond just putting expert in your title, right? It's like you're putting out content that people want to consume. Uh, I was, I'm always skeptical when I see people who are call themselves experts, right? I would never refer to myself as an expert. But no, you're portraying that you're an expert because you're putting out thoughtful educational yes. content. Yeah, it's unspoken. Um, before we get into these truths, one other thing I, I wanna mention about thought leadership is just, this is done more on an individual le level versus a company level, right? So we're talking about being a thought leader, we're talking about a person within the financial advisory practice who you, you might say, you know what, you know, Jim is going to be our thought leader, right? And I think that's something that we, we can we can discuss is like, it's not just everyone on our team is thought leaders. As a, as a firm, you wanna be thinking, okay, like who on our team is going to be that person that we put forward and say, we're gonna build their thought leadership. Yeah, that, that person or persons. Yeah, it could be know, a couple. For, absolutely, yeah. it, it could be really as many as you would like, right. but maybe with different areas of expertise or different mediums. Oh, I like that. You know, because you, for example, may have a face for a podcast and, a, a, okay. Yeah, but let's say, for example, that you've got a real passion for writing. Right. Like that may be your sweet spot that you put out a lot of our written content. That's true. Uh, versus, let's say that you're really into doing video. Maybe that's your 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 jam there. But yeah. Um, anyway, but it has so, a, there is a personal element to it. Though. Yes, it's not just that we're branding the company as a thought leader. We need some individual aspects yes. of this, which we'll get into as part of the, the some of the truisms today. Okay. Let's start with those. Uh, let's get into these truisms. So. Um, in advance of today's podcast, I wrote down five truths from my perspective. Stephen wrote down five truths from his perspective. Um, there's got to be some overlap here, but we're going to kind of take turns going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, number one, I'll start it off, is you're going to need an audience. So thought leadership, think about it with regards to your social channels and your newsletter. If you've got 50 contacts, you know, you could have some thought leadership, it's not really all that widespread. So when you're thinking about building followers on Facebook, for example, or connections on LinkedIn, or subscribers to your newsletter, uh, numbers matter there. 
Like yeah. you really would, if you've got 50, these are close friends of yours. These are family, uh, family members. members. These are clients, centers of influence, but people who are pretty tight to your brand. Yeah. They've sought you out probably to engage with it. As opposed to if you've got 500 or 5,000, you've got a fair number of people who've never engaged you before for business, but are interested in your content. And that's powerful. These are not yet prospects, but potentials. Yeah, so a truth here is like, yeah, you're going to have to build an audience and you know, it's, it's not gonna be something that happens overnight. Yeah, and it's not a vanity thing. It's not like I've got 5,000 followers and I feel good about myself. I was gonna say like, you can't go buy followers. No, no. but it is, it's something you should seek out because it spreads your reach, yeah. right? So we talk a lot about organic reach versus paid reach, but more or less, you want as much organic reach as you can have and that requires you to build a follower. I like that. Um, okay, so my number, m number two, my first one that I had down here was, your content can't be basic. It can't be just surface level content. If you wanna build true thought leadership, you're going to have to get into some little bit of longer form content or whatever content that you're providing has to have some real substance behind it, right? Like I, I for example, like maybe it's a video series, maybe it's a podcast that you turn into a video series, i.e. what we're doing. Um, maybe it's written form. I mean, I don't think the medium matters that much. It's just that the, the content that you provide has to really hit upon the pain points for your target market and give them something of value, right? It can't be you know, just really high level service content. It has to be noticeably creative mm. and, and, ha and have had noticeably your involvement. Oh yeah, that's good. right. Because, you know, we're connected to a ton of financial advisors. If you were to look through our LinkedIn connections, it's like 90% financial advisors out there. So our feeds are full of Hey, let's face it, some really boring content. Yeah. You know, because, and this is the reason, because so many people have access to automatic posting of things that they get from their firm, yep. and a lot of it is noticeably vanilla, noticeably boilerplate, and you scroll right through it. You can tell it from a mile away that it had very little, if any, interaction from the actual financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And you can tell it's not a very creative idea. It's something that sailed through compliance because it's very, very basic. And you will never, never achieve thought leadership with that content alone. Great statement. I it's true. It. I mean, it can complement some stuff that you do, yeah. but you're never going to do it with that it's kind hard, of It's a hard pill to swallow, but it's so true, right? You're, you're going to have to start creating things outside of what's already been created for you by your firm, right? Yeah, it's like, it, you it, imagine it, somebody being like, hey, check out this article that my advisor just shared on three tips for asset allocation. Yeah. That he got from this XYZ fund company that gave him, it's like, nobody shares that stuff. No one is sharing it. And so you're not getting that credit, right? And you're not getting the reach because you're not getting the engagement. Um, so that was number two. Number three, yep. uh, to be a thought leader, you must be a thought follower. So what I mean by that is not because you are copying other people's content, but that you've got to be a learner in your own right. Mm -hmm. I mean, thought leadership is not you being an ancient philosopher where you're sitting under a tree in a field and, <laughs> and coming up with up, totally unique yeah, like, something oh, no one ever thought of before. This, is, uh, this yeah. is great. No, like you're studying other people's stuff. You're listening to podcasts, you're reading books, you're reading so the newspaper. You're, you're, you're a follower of other people as a means to learning. I mean, think about the people that you know that you enjoy listening to the most. They subscribe to a wide variety of other people's thoughts yeah. in various formats. Yeah, exactly. Now they make those thoughts their own, right? And I think sometimes they get inspiration from those thoughts, but they're, I mean, they obviously they're not copying them, but I can almost guarantee you, you're, you're exactly right that they are consuming other content. 
for, for me, sometimes when I'm, you know, can't think of things to do, like I'll go read an article in the Harvard Business Review. Like if I'm trying to think of things to create, like it's almost like if you if you feel like you're at a loss, you need to go out and start consuming. Yeah, even if it's right. something unrelated, like you exactly. mentioned That's newspaper I mean. earlier, which may seem unrelated, but you can pick up, if you read a full newspaper, a national newspaper, you're going to pick up inspiration for something that you would want to share with your audience. I think the other thing that you, lo you learn is just tips and tricks for how those mediums function. So like you learn tips for podcasting if you start consuming more podcasts, right? You learn tips for video when you start consuming other videos. How to create better thumbnails, better titles. Exactly. Better, yeah, everything. So beyond just the, the thoughts, the concepts themselves, it's the execution of those that you, you get better at because you consume. Right. Um, all right. Next one here that I have. So this would technically what? This is number three? Four. This is number four. Consistency will be your biggest challenge. This is hard, right? It's like exercising. It's like working out. It's something where you get, you get inspired or, you know, excited about an idea and you do one video, you do two videos, but then you stop. Even when you know it's working, even when you know it's working. Yeah. It's still hard to justify taking time out of your day for clients or prospects to sit down and write an article. It's, the, the, it's the first thing that when your day gets busy, you say, well, we're, we're just, we can't do this today. Well, we can't shoot a video today. We don't have time to do that. Yeah. Right. We'll push it off. We'll do it next week. And then we push it again. We push it again. Um, you're going to have some, some hot streaks, some cold streaks. So when you're thinking about consistency, planning is going to be your best friend here and then sticking to that plan. So going ahead and saying, you know what, I'm going to plan out my next four videos. Let's go ahead and lay it out. This is what we're going to do. And you actually put some thought behind it as opposed to showing up that day and saying, oh, gosh, I need to shoot a podcast today. What should I talk about? Right? Like put some thought behind it and you'll be thankful that you did. That's going to help you with the consistency. We know this because we are at times inconsistent. Uh, yeah. And so what we've learned is both uh, planning in advance helps, engaging your team is helpful. So for example, we you know really love it when people book time on the studio calendar for us because it forces us in here. Like, you know, that that to us is a big deal. It force, yeah, we love it, but we also, I mean, like today, I, I don't wanna be doing this really right now. Kevin, I'm not trying to be, I'm, I'm just being totally honest and authentic with you. Like, I don't feel like doing this today, but I'm doing it because I know we need to do it. At least gang, I'm, I'm into it today. So uh, this is a- uh, You know what I mean. Your thought leadership, whether you feel like it or not, all right? Um, <laughs> the point is, is that it was planned. It was on our calendar. I, I didn't wake up today and say, yes, like, I'm like, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to make sure that we put out another episode. Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing as accountability for exercise. Yeah. Like if you're at your best, when you exercise, you may have an accountability partner, somebody you're meeting at the gym. You may have uh, you, you a plan certain, out when you're going to do it. Yeah. You have a certain regimen of every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to do this certain type of exercise. A lot of parallel there, but consistency is hard. You know, um, and, I, and I, going back with the exercise um, analogy here, there's there's some research by Strava that found that people who exercise in the mornings just do it way more consistently. I wonder if the same thing would hold true for creating content. Yeah, what are the odds that this this is Friday when we're shooting this? Yes. What are the odds that it's Friday, Friday morning. afternoon? It's Friday morning. That uh, you would have wanted to continue doing this? Definitely not. Yeah. So I think, you know, another tip here with consistency would be like knock out your content in the morning. I like it. Number five, you will have to get comfortable with the spotlight. For some of you, that's a no-brainer. You like being in front of the camera. Others of you, though, that takes uh, it takes some repetition. <laughs> yeah. Because thought leadership is about, first of all, if you're able to do video, you need to be doing video. Number two, you really have to have captivating photography of yourself and your team if you want your website to come alive. 
whether it is in terms of your headshots, candid shots, yep. portrait cutouts for your social post. Like you have to be comfortable being on camera. I think this goes back to when we were talking earlier that there's an individual aspect of thought leadership, that it's not just a company logo that we're throwing on everything, right? That And that you as the person are gonna have to be comfortable with your face on certain pieces of content. Yeah, and I think one thing that takes, when I said repetition earlier, I think you get more comfortable the more you do it. Like, I don't think I'm interacting any differently with the camera right now than if we were here presenting to ourselves, just because we're kind of, after a while, you get a little bit numb to it. Mm -hmm. But at first, I think it, helps, it takes reminding yourself that when people watch back your content, your video, they listen to your podcast or whatever, you seem a lot smarter and cooler than you do when you look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, when you hear this playback, when you look in the, you, like, you are, like, critiquing yourself real hard on, our, hard on ourselves. Yeah. But other people don't see it that way. They, they're they in, more interested than you would think. Yeah, we, there was an advisor who was part of one of our series that we were doing and we were talking about posting content and creating more content. And I remember her specifically saying like, I am worried about what other people are gonna think of me, like what other family members are gonna say when they start seeing pictures of me and videos of me. And, and that goes back to like, you, you just have to get comfortable with it and understand that who cares? Like, you know, I mean, there has to be a little bit of you that says, you know what, forget them. And I know that they're going to judge me. Um, some of my close friends and family, but I don't care. Like I'm looking way past that. Yeah. And you start to look past it, especially once you get some compliments on it. Yeah. That somebody had seen your podcast or, or heard your podcast. You're like, oh, this is, I kind of enjoy that. Exactly. It's like, oh, all right, maybe it's not so bad. Okay. Next one here is to consider having a partner in your corner. So what do I mean by that? Um, this means that you might have a firm, <clears throat> right? You might have a company that can help you with certain aspects of content creation. Now, what I'm not saying necessarily is that they create all your content with none of your input, right? Like I'm not saying that at all. I think that's when you can have issues, but when you're, when you have some involvement, but you can have someone who can help you with graphic design, video editing, um, you know, taking longer form content and breaking it up into micro content. Like they can help you with those components. It's really, really will, um, I, I just think amplify your overall efforts. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in terms of what parts of it should you outsource is, is the question because yeah. in all likelihood, unless you're part of just a mega team or, or, uh, or you've just got a ton of in-house expertise. That's true. You, and even so, I will say, you probably don't have graphic design, copywriting, videography, you know, all the things that it takes to make a really good web presence, you probably don't have all of those in-house. So Kevin's point is, you still have to have the ideas. Yeah. Like, you know the craft, that's your value add. Right. You know financial advice uh, in, in various forms, that's what you bring to the table. Let other people help you out in terms of videography, uh, proper podcasting, uh, graphic design, like yes. you need all that stuff. There's a huge difference. You could have the same ideas uh, and do it shot from your webcam with a crappy background and you don't look super polished uh, and people don't engage with your I content. I mean, in some ways it could hurt your brand. Well, if you think about like, think about yourself when you go into a search on YouTube, for example, which videos do you gravitate towards? The ones with better design thumbnails, the ones with uh, the quick previews that look like it's gonna be entertaining to yes. watch. Like you're not going to the ones that look like it's in someone's basement. They look like they'll be boring, dry. Exactly. Slow. No, exactly. So so think about that. Like now we're, now we're not saying you have to use Oxley, but we do have all those creative services in house if you want to have one go-to provider. Um, but maybe you, you know someone else who can help you with graphic design. You can outsource it. 
Um, but it's been a big part of our growth over the last yes. few years in that people have found that it's a whole lot easier and less expensive to leverage experts like us. If you need social content built, videos edited, yes. websites built, like you can waste a lot of time doing that yourself and end up ending up with a product that you're not that proud of. So. And that goes back to more consistency, right? So like you wanna have that consistency and you wanna have some support there, having an outsider come in and help you with it is gonna, is gonna make a big difference. Versus you saying, gosh, I just shot that video, finally, now I gotta edit it. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, and I'll get off the plug here in a second, yeah. but if you're engaged in our video program and you're signed up for a period of months there, you're gonna be shooting videos. Yes, right? exactly. There's some accountability there too. You're so, paying for it. Okay. Number seven, your results will be slow. You know, so when we're thinking about what this marketing mm, uh, that's activity- exciting. I know, I, get, I drew a, the good straw on this one. No, but, it, <laughs> but it's true though. And this is a pull rather than push marketing strategy. You would expect a push marketing strategy to work more quickly, but with smaller level clients. So if your strategy has been cold calling or door knocking, it can be effective. You can put some immediate points on the board, but it's gonna be with smaller clients and it's generally frowned upon now. Yeah. Um, with thought leadership, it's a pull strategy. I wanna, I wanna put myself in the palm of your hand in your social channels and your email on a regular basis for enough time showcasing that I'm a very high quality provider of financial advice in the area so that when there's a need, let's say you're nearing retirement, you're selling a business, you come into some money somehow, that you're thinking about me. Like that is a numbers game and it takes time. So it is not exciting when you get into it. Your first video does not result in new business. Oh yeah, I, I remember an advisor I worked with years ago and we were working on some video content for him and he said, well, you know, I, po I posted that video and, uh, but my phone's not ringing. And I was, and I, he, and he was being like dead serious about it. And I thought, man, you're, you're like, your whole mindset around this is just wrong. Like that's not, like you have to put it out consistently over time, it will build. And then, but I will tell you this, it's a lot more fun to market that way once you reach that point than it is to be doing some of those colder methods. I remember a random story, but we got into postcards like is, oh, 15 is, years ago. This is a long time ago. 15 years ago. I remember like we designed them in-house. Yep. We wanted to fill up those Rainmaker retreats. It was, yeah, it was rain, yeah, Rainmaker weekends at that point. Yeah. So um, we, we created a whole bunch of these, had them printed, sent to us. We sent them out to a list of people that were supposedly going to be financial advisors. And then if anybody went to the, the website to download something, we would call them. Yeah. There was like a URL on the actual postcard. And like the moment that they would log into it, we would get a notification. So we were like, yes. and this was a total. We like, thought that was like kind of high tech. We, oh, it was at the time. And we thought it was so cool. And then guess who had to call into them? It was Steven and myself. Oh, there's only like four of us. Yeah. It was like, uh, okay, uh, here's Steven. You're going to call this person. They just logged in and it, it was, it was one not fun to do. Oh, totally ineffective. We didn't get one person at the event from that campaign. And we spent a lot of money on it. Is that while it could have produced some immediate results, you did get live quote, quote unquote prospects there. Uh, or, you know, leads. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it was not nearly as fun or effective as having people call you wanting to work with you. So if you think about that evolution over 15 years for us, most of, we don't do any outbound sales right now. Not just we, you and I, but we as a company don't do any outbound selling right now. But we, we do have a constant inflow of leads in our inboxes from people who've seen content or been exposed to us through word of mouth. And the same takes place for financial advisors. But my point in this truth is that it takes some time for that to develop. But imagine this, I mean, this is why, you know, this is why on a Friday, you come back here when you don't want to, is that you know over time you're building brand, you're building thought leadership, 
and you're feeding this engine of people coming to you. Feeding this engine and that content is sitting there on YouTube or you know, on Apple Podcasts or whatever, and it's just can be consumed at any moment, right? Like, I mean, when you create content like this, you know, someone over the weekend could watch this video and it's it's almost like we're selling or we're, we're working, right? But we're not. And so I love the idea that that content's working for you 24 seven. The other thing that, that I would say, and I, your point about like it, it being longer term is you have to change some of the metrics that you're looking at. Some of your KPIs might have to change. So like it, when the mindset of, a lead being like, oh, they completed some form on our website, some gated content. Like, is that really what we want to base our, you know, our, our, our marketing numbers off of? Or should we, do we need to change the thinking and say like, actually, I want to start looking at things like our YouTube views. I want to start looking at content or KPIs like um, subscribers to our podcast and things like that. I think from the, the marketing, you have to have a mindset shift there when you get into more of the demand gen um, Top of funnel, right? Top, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I, yeah, again, like at some gated content and I got 10 people's emails, like, is that really a lead? Right? Is that really something that, I mean, and there's, we, this is a big debate too about like, should we gate content or not? But you, you need to change your marketing mindset here to think longer term. So the KPIs have to change. Okay. Um, all right. Next one here. This one is uh, this one's more, it's a softer one, but I think it's an important one is that you'll need to define, define your brand. So I can go out there and I can start creating content and I can start building thought leadership, but if I want to be more recognizable and I want to start building more of a following, I'm going to also need to think about things like, okay, do I have a consistent color palette? Um, what are some of the typefaces, fonts that I'm using? Um, so that when people start seeing you in, in that feed, they immediately recognize you, right? And then they're they're giving you credit, you know, consistently. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. And I, I don't think people think about that all that often unless they're launching a new brand. Yeah. Like when true. people come to us and they're they're going independent and they've got to build a firm, they've got a they need a title, they need a logo, yeah. they need colors like, oh yeah, I've never thought about this stuff before. But then oftentimes people will put that on the shelf for a period of 20 or 30 years and never reanalyze it. Yeah. Uh, or that it just isn't all that tied into their day to day. Like they may have logos and colors, but it's not necessarily tied into their social efforts or their podcast or what have you. Or that individual's efforts, right? Um, so, so thinking about, again, this is actually a pretty simple one to solve, but if you're, when you're creating content, does it have a consistent look and feel? Does it, is, does it become immediately recognizable as you, the thought leader, and I'm seeing that consistently. And when I see it, I know I like your content. I'm, I'm immediately going to gravitate towards it. I like it. Number nine, an easy one. Uh, and that is to embrace a variety of networks and platforms that your own personal preferences aren't the, you know, the, the, the overall guide. Yeah, they're, they're not the deciding factor. Like, like say, for example, that you just really love LinkedIn and that's your space. Like you like going in, you like to read the articles, you like to engage with your work contacts that way. Uh, but that's not necessarily where all your prospects are. Right. So, you know, sometimes it takes putting your own mindset aside and saying, well, there's a lot of people getting into Instagram. Uh, there's a, a huge presence on Facebook. There's a lot of people that listen to podcasts. You know, that, that I need to broaden where I'm being shown to be to reach the maximum amount of people. Even newsletters, right? Even, you know, email and things like that. So yeah, I, I love it. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially if you create content. Why aren't you distributing it in more places? Also, what happens when something changes? What happens when 
Instagram goes down, right? And, gosh, I put all my effort into it. Or they change the algorithm, right? And now I'm not being seen anymore. Well, I need to diversify my, my networks a little bit. Um, what about just the slow growth of YouTube over time? And I mean, we think that that's something that's put, worth putting a lot of energy into as well. Okay, um, is this the last one? It is, number 10. Okay, number 10 here. The, the final truth is keep an ear to the ground. Keep an ear to the, and what we mean by that is to pay attention to feedback. Now, you're gonna get some haters, and, and you know what, I think that some people, get nervous about that when they start creating content that especially involves themselves more, you're gonna get some people who, you know, write you a snarky comment from time to time. You're not gonna get it as often as you think. That's not the thing, I'm not, I'm not saying pay attention to that. I'm saying pay attention to the feedback that's actually thoughtful uh, and that is, is constructive in a way. So for us, as we've been doing podcasting for a little while now, we have a couple listeners who will come in and you know, send us emails sometimes after shows and say, hey guys, the audio quality for this one was not up to par. Here's what you need to change. Um, we'll get people who say, oh my gosh, too much panning in this episode. Like they actually give you, you know, it was like a, a, a YouTube comment, but like they give you something constructive to build off of. Um, and pay attention to that because that's how you're gonna improve over time. Yeah, they're usually right. I mean. Yeah. If somebody takes the time out of their day, let's say that they are, and you get it from a variety of sources. Some people are way into YouTube videos, and when they watch your video, they're like, your intro was way too long. Yeah. You know, or they're way into podcasts, and they're like, you don't need that long intro on your podcast. They're usually right. And we had that issue. We had that exact issue. And yeah. we, we had comments that were like, oh my gosh, your, pod, your, your intro for your podcast is a minute and a half, and that's way too long. We're like, we need to change that. Yeah, it would have easily been like, well, we really like that one, you know? Right. And, and, so um, if you want to consistently improve, keep an ear to the ground, pay attention to comments, pay attention to the community and what they're giving back to you and make some changes. It's just gonna make your content better over time. So Kevin, what do you do? This is off the- uh, Oh the, no. What do you do when you get a nasty comment? What's your first reaction? I just get really pissed off, you know? I just get mad, so. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, I kind of do sometimes. And then I think, you know, then I'll look at it and I'll say, you know, is, is there some validity here? Is there something, you know, real, you know, if it's not, then sometimes I'll just, you know, we'll just get rid of it. If there's nothing valid behind it, if there is, then I think sometimes killing them with kindness is a, is a good route to take. Now, if, I, if you were to respond in a nice way and then they give you something else snarky back, sometimes I'll just let them go. I'll just block, block them. Yep, yeah. exactly. I mean, I'll at least attempt at first to respond. Um, I know but, something else you do, because I do it too, which what? is you gotta look them up. You know. You want to, if yes. somebody gives you some kind of hater feedback on your video or something. hundred percent. Your immediate reaction is like, who is this character? Yeah. I, want to find the, I want to find out who they are and rationalize why this is a terrible take on what I just put out there. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, we do it. We, we probably all do it. Yeah. So, but, but look, that can't be your deciding factor for, for not creating content. Like you have to say, you know what, there's going to be those people out there. And it means that you're doing something right if people are paying attention enough and then some people don't agree. I, I think there's some, I think at, at times you need to be a little polarizing with your content so that you get more attention and that you actually make a stance on certain topics as opposed to someone who's always trying to agree with everyone else. When you're thinking about thought leadership and why you should make the investment of time and money and energy. Here comes the plug. Remember, <laughs> there wasn't even gonna be a plug in. Oh, totally man. screwed this up Come for me, Kevin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, no, but I think my, my point here is that remember that every single year, every single decade, the consumer uh, 
that is gonna be make sense for you. People who are in their 30s now and 40s now, they're more digitally inclined. Yeah. They're on their phones more often than those perhaps in their 60s and 70s. The same goes for those in their 20s and 30s now versus those in their 40s and 50s. They tend to be more digitally inclined. So as this all moves forward, thought leadership becomes a much more integral part of your marketing than it ever has been. Yes. And all of this stuff, all the stuff we're talking about today is not an easy fix. Like if you said today that I wanna get better with my YouTube presence, hey, you're gonna invest in video equipment, you're gonna invest in better graphic design for thumbnails. You're, you're gonna, gonna put in hours of recording and editing. You're gonna be researching keywords that people search for. Yes. Like all of this stuff is an evolution. Start now, get better at it. And for a plug, leverage people who know what they're doing. We've got a team of people here who understand videography and websites and social media. Uh, you know, we give out a ton of free advice on these videos, but also there's a lot that we are able to do for you that's yes. gonna solve a lot of these problems. Yeah, so when you need a partner, out. when you need a partner, that's what we're here for. That's it for today, gang. I hope you're as excited about thought leadership as we are. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe to this video and let us know, how are you building thought leadership within your financial advisory practice?